Hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad to have you joining me today as we're continuing our journey through the book of Galatians. And today and tomorrow, I'm going to be talking about being energized by grace. You know, whenever you build your life on values and principles that contradict the time-honored wisdom found in God's Word, you're going to be laying a foundation on sand. So I want to encourage you to be energized by God's grace. You know, there is a Christian that is being murdered every four minutes across the globe. There's over 51 countries in which Christianity is illegal, but yet we see it spreading like a wildfire. Why is it that the gospel is being spread so quickly? Because we have God's people who are energized by grace. Now, before we get too far into the message today, I want to talk to you just briefly about what does it look like to be filled with wisdom? You see, many times we pray for wisdom and we pray for our church leaders to have wisdom. You see, we want to have wisdom. We want to be able to live a life that is pleasing to God. But wisdom comes from God, and wisdom is ultimately for God. Wisdom in the eyes of the world is often uh, revolving around doing something. In fact, the Oxford Dictionary calls wisdom the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. Worldly wisdom entails gaining valuable experiences building knowledge, you know, amassed from a whole bunch of different authors and speakers on the past and and the common experience and skills found in others. But wisdom in God's kingdom is all about being. Outwardly, as we look at wisdom, we may appear to be successful, we may appear to be gifted, but inwardly, are we truly people of wisdom? I mean, how tragic it would be for you to spend your whole life and after years of sacrifice and hard work for the Lord to hear God say, I never knew you. You see, the scriptures speak about wisdom and it's on a whole different level. You know, wisdom is a knowledge and understanding that comes from God. It can only be gained from Him. So if you need wisdom today, James tells us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him is given by God himself. At the very foundation of this wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Do you have that reverence for the Lord today? And if you do, it's because you are experiencing his grace and you will be empowered by his grace. Now, when we think about worship, is worshiping God a duty or do you delight in worshiping God? There was a recent TV commercial in which a young man is struggling whether to go through with an arranged marriage. You know, in his home country, marriages are arranged and that's part of the norm. But after living in America, he was having second thoughts about adhering to this ancient custom, especially since he never met his wife-to-be. Still, when he flew into the airport, he dutifully waited for her, flowers in hand, and a gloomy expression on his face. But when she stepped through the terminal, everything changed. She was beautiful. 
Suddenly his glim demeanor disappeared. The thought of marrying this woman was no longer a dreaded duty. It was a delight. What had changed? He had seen her. You know, often we serve God out of obligation. We drag ourselves to church. We force ourselves to serve others. But our heart really isn't in it. We're like that guy at the airport, grudgingly holding flowers for God. We're trying to live holy lives because we know that we should, but it's burdensome. It's joyless. What can change this? Seeing God. You see, when we get a vision of God in our lives, a true vision of who He is, suddenly we are energized. Suddenly we get on mission. Once we gaze into His grandeur and into His glory, obedience ceases to be such a labor. Once we grasp His great love, serving is no longer a duty. It's a joy. Let's look at Galatians chapter 2, beginning at verse number 11. When Peter came to Antioch, that was the first Gentile church, Paul says, I told Peter face to face that he was wrong. You know, he used to eat with the Gentile followers of the Lord. He was convinced that this was not a problem until James, the half-brother of Jesus, sent home some Jewish followers. Peter was afraid of the Jews and soon stopped eating with the Gentiles. He and the other Jews, there was a wrongful influence over him, hid their true feelings. So when that even Barnabas was fooled. So there's two things we see here. Number one, we are weak when we are confronted in our errors. Uh, Number two, bad examples can impact even the best and the strongest followers of Christ. So when Peter is being confronted by Paul, he's being told face to face what he did wrong. Look at verse number 14. But when I saw that they were not really obeying the truth, that is the good news. In other words, the gospel that tore down the racial walls between Jews and Gentile, Peter is actually rebuilding this wall by not standing up for the truth of the gospel. I confronted Peter in front of everybody. Peter, you're a Jew, but you're living like a Gentile. You became like them. They don't become like you. So how can you force Gentiles to live like the Jews? Now, we are Jews by birth, and we're not sinners like the Gentiles. But we know that God accepts only those who have faith in Christ Jesus. No one can please God simply by obeying the law. So we put our faith in Christ Jesus, and God accepted us because of our faith. Verse 17, when we Jews started looking for a way to please God, we discovered that we are sinners too. So they're guilty of breaking the law. Does this mean that Christ is the one who makes us sinners? No, it doesn't. But if I tear down something and then build it up again, I prove that I was wrong at first. It was the law itself that killed me and freed me from its power. I'm no longer under the law, I'm dead to the law, so that I could live for God. I have been nailed to the cross with Christ. I have died, but Christ lives in me. And I now live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. Verse number 21, I don't turn my back on God's undeserved kindness. 
I'm not going back to that old life, that old lifestyle. If we can be acceptable to God by obeying God, it was useless for Christ to die. Now, as we look at this, we see that Paul is laying out the foundation of our salvation, and we are saved by Christ, the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. If we could be saved by keeping the law, Christ would not have had to die, but we could not keep the law. As a result, Christ died for our sins. Now, the key verse here is Galatians 2, verses 20 and 21. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In other words, Paul is crucifying himself, all of his ability to keep the law, all of his ability to be circumcised, all of his ability to please God, He's crucifying that. He says, I'm crucified with Christ. I'm no longer living, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Now, as we look at this, I want to encourage you to never let your feelings sit in judgment over your faith. Now, don't deny how you feel. Just don't allow how you feel to override your faith. Tony Evans said, emotions can be right or wrong. One can have false thinking and false emotions. When our doctrine is rightly aligned with God, our emotions are rightly aligned with Him. In other words, we fear right when our doctrine is right. Uh, Sometimes you may not fear right, but if your doctrine is right, it's just a matter of time until you feel right. You see, our energy gets zapped when we are no longer recipients of God's grace. As we look at why this happens, false beliefs and teachers basically are good men who have gone wrong biblically. It is your core beliefs that motivate you. If the core beliefs are right, the life you lead will be right as well. But if your core beliefs are wrong, the life that you live will also be wrong. Galatians 2, verses 12 and 13, Paul says, you know, certain men came from James, and they would eat with the Gentiles, but when they came, he withdrew himself and he separated himself fearing those who were of the circumcision. So here we discover a different way of living based upon who was in the presence and who was in the company. And the rest of the Jews also played this hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. You know, Jesus is Lord, is not the law. Even a little bit of self-righteousness is a falsely belief that leads to a futile attempt to take God's glory for ourselves. So ask yourself, who is the hero of my stories? You know, I have some people that I I don't like to spend a whole lot of time with them because every time I talk to them, they always become the hero of their own stories. If you fit in that category, I think you're missing what God wants for you. You're going to be a recipient of false beliefs. You're going to buy into anything that feeds your ego. 
Now, it's far too common because we see that James and others uh, in the early church fell into this trap. They were giving into false beliefs because they were listening to false teachers. They were more worried about what the false teachers thought about them than what the Word said about them. I want to encourage you. When I think about Stephen, Stephen actually died over this matter. I want us to go back to the book of Acts chapter 7. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen is being stoned for his faith in Christ. But he gives a sermon. I mean, this is how bold this guy was. I mean, he's given this sermon as they're, they're hurling these rocks at him. In Acts chapter 7, verse 51, we have part of his sermon. Now, I know that Paul heard this sermon, and Paul was greatly impacted by this sermon. So Peter is preaching, and he says, You stiff-necked people, your hearts and your ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Here he is driving home the point that those who are actually killing him, stoning him, they are stiff-necked. Their hearts have never been changed. Verse number 42. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? Peter is saying, you know what? I'm not the first one to face the wrath of your persecution. He says, they even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. Those prophets that predicted Jesus was going to come, they persecuted them. And he says, now you have betrayed and murdered him. Peter says, you know those prophets who talked about the coming of the Messiah? Well, the Messiah is here, and you are the ones who are betraying and you're murdering him. You have received the law that was given through the angels, but not obeyed it. In other words, you should have known better, because you are the ones who were given the law. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious. They were so ticked off, they began gnashing their teeth at him. But Stephen, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked up into heaven, and he saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears, yelling at the top of their voices. They all rushed at him, dragged him out into the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. What an amazing story. The truth of the gospel being proclaimed by Stephen as stones are being hurled at him. So we learn that false beliefs and false teachers can be good men who have gone wrong biblically. And we can learn, secondly, that sinful behavior and attitudes always leads to false living. In Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1, Paul says, Now, brothers and sisters, if somebody is caught in an act of sin— You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourself, lest you also be tempted. So here we see that the gospel should motivate our attitudes and our behaviors, especially when we're dealing with those 
who are not living according to God's word. Paul says that we should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. So uh, it's dangerous work, right, to confront those who are living in sin. It's necessary. We're to do it. We're to restore that person, to do it gently, but we've got to be careful because we will find ourselves also tempted as we are confronting somebody. Now, Peter here had direct revelation regarding this matter. He's given a vision in Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 16. And about noon, as the day is going on, Peter is taking a journey, and he's up on the roof and he's praying. So he became very hungry, and, and he wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to the earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. And then a voice told them, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely I'm not going to do that, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back up to heaven. So, as we look at this subject here, we're seeing that Peter is given his vision, and he's given a vision that now it is no longer wrong for him to eat meat. No longer for him to eat, wrong for him to eat reptiles and birds, and he's given his vision. Now, the church had already ruled on this matter, and Peter was actually part of it. In Acts chapter 15, the church was comprised of predominantly Jewish members. And in Acts chapter 8, the gospel is spreading out to the Samaritans and those who were ethnically like mixed Jews and Gentiles. And many of the Samaritans received Jesus Christ as their Savior. So now we're having a little bit of a conflict within the church because you have Gentiles mixing in with the Jews. In Acts chapter 13 and 14, Paul and Barnabas had a very fruitful ministry among the Gentiles. And all these Gentiles turning to faith in Christ is causing concern among the Jewish believers. And we discover this first in Acts chapter 11, which is causing concern ultimately upon the Jerusalem Council, which is in Acts chapter 15. So they're dealing with two questions. Do Gentiles first have to become Jews before they become Christians? Do Gentiles have to observe the Mosaic law after they become Christians? Now, this is so important, right? The impediments for the Jewish council given in Acts chapter 15, uh, we see in verses 1 and 5. Some men came from Judea. They're teaching their brothers that unless you're circumcised, according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. So here they are adding to the work of salvation by having the act of circumcision being done. It was necessary, so they thought, to be circumcised and necessary to keep the law of Moses. Now, some of the Jewish Christians were teaching that Gentiles had to be circumcised in order for them to be saved. Now, this teaching clearly contradicted the fact that salvation was by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That's Acts 15, 11. The apostles and the church leaders 
held their first council to settle this issue. In verses 7 through 11, the Apostle Peter spoke of his ministry to the Gentiles. And he actually records it in Acts chapter 10. Peter focused on the fact that the Holy Spirit was given to those who are uncircumcised, those Gentiles who are uncircumcised. They received the same Holy Spirit in the same manner that it was given to the Jews and to the Gentiles, the Jews receiving it on the day of Pentecost. Now, this led Peter to the conclusion that there should be no placing of a yoke on the, on the neck of the Gentile disciples that neither our fathers nor they were able to bear. Now, Jesus, the half-brother of James, who had become a leader of the Church of Jerusalem, agreed with Peter, and he declared, It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. So the Jewish council then is given four rules that Gentile Christians should live by. They were not rules the Gentiles must follow in order to be saved. Rather, these were rules to build harmony between Jewish and Gentile Christians in the first century. Here, the four rules are given in this this Jerusalem council. And it was decided upon that the Gentile Christians should abstain from eating food polluted by the idols, they're to abstain from sexual immorality, they're to abstain from eating meat that was strangled, animals that were strangled, and they're not to have the blood of that sacrifice, of that that animal. Now, these instructions were not intended to guarantee salvation. They were given to promote peace within the early church. In Galatians chapter 2, verse number 14, Paul says, But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, If you, being a Jew, live in a manner of the Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel the Gentiles to live as Jews? Now, Peter is preaching against what he is doing. Now, I want to encourage you today. Sometimes you find yourself on the wrong side of an issue. So what should you do? You should say, hey, listen, I was wrong. If you get confronted by a brother or sister in Christ and you realize, you know what, they are right and I'm wrong, you are to deal with that issue. And so Peter is actually contradicting what he's preaching. In Acts chapter 11, the apostles and the believers throughout all of Judea heard about the Gentiles and also received the word of God. So this is Peter, right? Peter goes up to Jerusalem and he says, the circumcised believers, and and he criticizes them. He says, you went into the house of the uncircumcised men and you ate with them. Now, this sermon was about those sheets, right? We talked about those sheets coming down. And uh, at the end of the chapter, the church of Antioch, One of the Galatian churches was started, uh, so the church was started for the purpose of spreading the gospel to the Gentiles, who could not be saved by keeping the law or by being circumcised. So the Jews could not be saved by keeping the law or by being circumcised either. No one has ever been saved by circumcision. So we should renounce that hypocrisy, not justify it. Well, I hope that you join me tomorrow. As we look at this continuing the subject of how to be energized 
by grace. If you're losing your energy to serve the Lord, join me tomorrow. And I think that it will help you to be energized by God's grace. Well, Lord, thank you for this amazing book of that was written to the, the believers at Galatia. Lord, help us to take these truths, apply them to our lives. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if I can pray personally for you, I would be honored to do that. Shoot me a text message, 252-267-2365. 252-267-2365. And can I say one final thing in the last 45 seconds that we have left? If you are looking to work with children, we would love to have you at Hickory Ridge Academy. We have an amazing ministry there for our children. We'd like to expand our school but we need help to do that. So if you're interested in a position working with young children, I'm talking about six months old, up through uh, first, second grade, would you give me a call? Call the church office, 757-421-7500. You can talk to me. You can talk to my wife, Sherry. You can talk to Jeannie. Uh, We'd love to uh, interview you, talk to you about the vision we have for our school. That number one more time, 757-421-7500. God bless you. Thank you for joining me today. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.